I have kind of grounding principles, I think. And one is any big race is worth a gamble. Um, to me, you know, I'm towing the line, I'm gonna put it all out there. And like I said, I might blow up. I might surprise myself with an amazing day, but I just think it's worth the gamble to believe in myself and go for it. Another one is we've talked a lot about grit recently, and I think that's a huge part to just be tenacious. And I think that's something that I value and want to be a part of my core identity is just like that someone who's out there and will grind and be excited about it. And I, I always think about moments I think are gonna be really hard in the race and I get excited about those. And then Sparkle is kind of the third piece of every race plan for me. Um, it kind of started back in, in college. Um, our team qualified for nationals my senior year, which was a super amazing experience for me. Our coach, she came to the start line and she rubbed some glitter onto the toe of each of our shoes. And I've had a little thing of glitter with me at every race since. And I think it just reminds me of that race in particular and you know like my love of running um in general and that I'm out there doing what I love like how lucky am I that I get to toe the line and often toe the line with some of my best friends hello podcast world welcome to episode 93 of run chats with Ron runs NYC gamble plus grit plus sparkle equals 236.43 Olympic Trials Qualifier. These are the founding principles of every race plan for Kim Horner, and she channeled them all brilliantly at Grandma's to make a seven-year dream come true. As early as 5K into Grandma's, Kim was struggling with the pace effort and let her Mill City running teammate, Doran Clark, know there could be some dark moments ahead and this was going to be a test of will as well as fitness. Good thing she worked equally hard at her mental mindset game to prepare for that moment and being on the OTQ edge all day. Gamble. Any big race is worth the gamble. I am towing the line to put it all out there. Kim channels the fierce self-belief of college coach Yarrow and current coach Kyle Bennett that she could hit the new challenging 237 OTQ standard. Kim also tapped into how many family members, friends, and teammates like Gabby Rooker were betting on her and knew she had to bet on herself and go all in for this race. Grit. Being tenacious is something I value and I want it to be part of my core identity. Someone who will grind and be excited about it and look forward to how my body and mind will respond. Despite being on the edge all race and being behind pace at certain points, Kim continued to grind and believed she would make it. Sparkle. Her college coach Yarrow sprinkled some glitter on their spikes as they towed the line at a national cross-country meet. She wears it on her face today to tap into race day magic. They say a rising tide lifts all boats. Hoping Kim and Gabby's amazing back-to-back -back OTQ journeys will inspire many ladies to keep grinding and get after their OTQ dreams over the next 18 months. Big inspo, gratitude, and so many great takeaways in this one. Hope you all enjoy the listen. Good afternoon, Kim Horner. Welcome to Run Chats with Ron Runs NYC. How are you doing today? 
I'm great. Thanks for having me. It's good to be here. Yeah, so good to get you on here so quickly after uh, grandma's and your big OTQ breakthrough, hitting that new standard that everyone was so fearful of with that huge drop. And uh, it had to be an epic moment for you to uh, to make that actually come true, right? What do you are you still uh, feeling like super juiced from it and all kinds of great, crazy, positive energy? I sure hope so. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'm still very excited about it. Was excited to be there with with a big team of people. Um, so it was a really exciting day in that way. And um, yeah, it was something I'd been chasing for a long time. And so it was exciting to do that. Um, like I said, with a great crew of people from Mill City up there with me. Yes. So that's your running team, Mill City, right? Based in Minneapolis. Um, and you had a big group, as you said, because I know they were on the course from uh, talking to Gabby. I think was it 23 or 24 where they were out there on the course? Yeah, right around 24. Good place to have an energy boost for sure. <laughs> They're in a good spot and there's a, a lot of cheering there. So it's awesome to see them. Hell yeah. Awesome to see him. You need him. You need him late in the race. And uh, how many years, just give us some context. How many years would you say this was actually a, a dream that you would actually put some serious attention and focus on? Because I know you have made major, major chops in your marathon progression. And we'll we'll talk about that. But I know starting from like 256 all the way down to 236. So how long has this kind of journey been taking place so far? Uh, seven years, I think I ran my first marathon in 2015. And, um, at the time I just wanted to run a marathon and, you know, check out a new distance. I always like long distance and my college coach was coaching me and she said, Hey, I, I think you should go after this. I think you could OTQ and planted a seed and just kind of didn't let go of it. It was something that I started chasing then. And, you know, the standard changed over time, but, uh, it's something I was excited about for the last seven years. Awesome. Yeah. I remember we shared some notes, you know, before you coming on, I know, um, that particular coach had a big impact on you, but we'll, we'll dive into that very specifically later because the coach mentor relationship and self-belief and all that plays such a big part in our role, um, as athletes of, uh, you know, helping ourselves believe the way a coach or a mentor or others might believe in us, a husband, a wife, and a, a better half, um, who just have that unshakable belief that, you know, Kim can get it done. Kim can do this. And then it takes a few of those people to come in our, our corner over a lifetime. And all of a sudden we get stronger and we develop that mental strength. And then all of a sudden it helps us when we get into that position. And 236.43, I mean, that is cutting it close. And, and you had to have some seriously scary moments out there, but exciting moments, crazy exciting. I mean, what was it, what was it like? I mean, we'll go through all your background and all the other stuff, but what it being so close and, you know, literally you had to be counting like virtually every second, if you were capable of doing the math, we know you have your PhD <laughs> from Oxford. So we know you have the mental fortitude to get it done, but I know I can't do math like that at that late in the race. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was a little scary. I think, uh, friends and family watching from home also were a little nervous and on edge. Um, I definitely, there were cheers going on, um, both on the course and off the course, which were needed and appreciated. But, um, it was a tough day to be honest. I think it was, um, the toughest I felt in a marathon. Um, I was really lucky that a fellow team member on Mill City Running, uh, ran with me throughout the race. And so I had someone, just kind of calm, cool, collected, uh, Doran Clark, shout out to him who, um, ran with me throughout the race. And, um, there were, I think within the first 
5k there were uh there was just this feeling that I realized this was going to be hard and I told Doran this could get dark um this this could be a really hard day which isn't really what you want to be feeling in the first 5k of a marathon that's usually where you are flying high and you're excited and you're trying to reel your pace back in and slow down and um yeah by 10k I was really in the mentality of every mile it's just like okay I just have to do that again I just have to do that again. <laughs> so there were a lot of, um, it was, a, it was a bit of a, a struggle. Um, but like I said, just having folks on the course and having folks at home cheering certainly helped. Um, there was, a, I remember, I don't know if it was around the halfway mark. Um, I was just a little bit ahead of, um, my teammate, Gabby Rucker, who you just interviewed. Um, and I was seeing her husband and her parents along the course cheering and, I ran by and I was like, how's she doing, Alex? And he was like, she's right behind you. She looks great. And, you know, that was so exciting to just know she was right there with me. And um, obviously when she came up and she had a great second half, when she came up and passed me towards the end of the race, like she cheered me on and it was like, we've got to do this together. Like I want to be there at the finish line with her. Um, that was super inspiring. Uh, my mom and my aunt sent in a, a video cheering for me that came up on the big screen that they have posted along the race course. So there are all these little bright moments uh, that kind of just kept me in it, um, even though I was very aware of how close I was um, to, to the time I needed at every single mile. Um, and yeah, there are certainly moments where I was nervous about, about making it at that pace. Um, but I kind of never let go of the idea that um, I was going to be there and going to be there with Gabby and um, we were going to have that uh, together. So, um, yeah, definitely not the same feeling I've had in other marathons. My last marathon in Indianapolis was felt incredible. Like, you know, just could have run all day and this was not that day, but it was an exciting day nonetheless. And, and, and we got it done. So that's so awesome. And adds to such great context because you're right. Um, so many times people that have their breakthrough day, it's, it is the other way. They are holding back. They're feeling strong. Um, and they're, they're intentionally, you know, kind of just dialing it, easing off the throttle, if you will, and knowing that it's going to be their day. Um, and very rarely do we have that big, you know, kind of negative split day um, that, you know, that Gabby recently had, that's more rare. A lot of times we may feel like it's a negative split day, but it's really even, or maybe we're even a minute positive split. So in your case at 5k, at 10k to already be feeling the effort and knowing it was going to be really difficult to me, that's even more inspiring because, um, a lot of the ladies out there before we jumped on, you know, they see this new standard and, you know, they realize how much it's dropped and they're, that potential thought of like, can I really do this? You know, is this attainable for me? If maybe I was having a hard time hitting 245 and now eight whole minutes have come down off of that. And, you know, you had those feelings, Gabby had them, anybody, you know, who's going to go for this new standard. So um, to be in the struggle that early is just, to me, it just adds so much more inspo to your own story and your own race and us talking about it, sharing it is just going to let other ladies know like, Hey, if they're having a rough day out there early on, like, you know, just stay in the fight, man. That's the, that is the show hashtag. I mean, that's my mantra and you did it, man. You stayed in the fight and 
I remember, you know, your post, um, I, I'm trying to think exactly what the words you used. I think it was like run with your heart and your legs will follow. Or someone had said that to you before your race and you had wrote a post about it on Instagram. And I mean, that's basically kind of really what it is, right? I mean, you just basically let go of, you know, you know, you're suffering, you know, you're struggling early, but you just said, hey, man, I'm going after this. I'm going all in and I'm not leaving anything on the table. And, you know, you could have blown up and run, you know, seven minutes slower in the second half and missed by a mile, but you put it all out there and, you know, what a feeling to get it done. Yeah, absolutely. And I actually, I had that conversation with a couple of friends going into the race. I, I told them I'm, I'm going in, I'm going after it. It doesn't matter what the day feels like. And if I blow up, if I don't hit it, I'm going to try it again. I just, um, I wanted to give myself the chance. Um, I felt like a lot of people, believed in me and had put me in a position and helped me put myself in a position where um, it was worth that gamble to go out at the pace that I needed and hope to hang on to the end. And so that paid off. Um, and certainly there's a universe where that hadn't happened and I'd be chasing it again this fall. Um, but I'm excited that it, it worked out at grandma's and still going to run another marathon this fall, but it's nice to have that, that standard checked off and um, have that part of it lifted and you know, I can reset new goals and chase other things. So, yeah. Where, where's your, where's your race going to be in the fall? CIM. Ah, yeah. I can stay away. There's too much good stuff going out there. Um, I'm excited to race out there. I've never been to the course. Um, and there's going to be a lot of women, a lot of good energy out there, uh, running fast. So I'm excited for that. I love it. Um, because it gives you, you got plenty of time, huge amount of time to recover. Um, and really again, absorb all of this and, you know, my, my hope is that a lot more people are going to find you. They're going to find Gabby. They're going to start following your journeys. You're going to share your own training cycle information, your nuggets, and they're going to hear about, you know, your struggle on race day, you know, not like this was some perfect day where, you know, you just woke up feeling like a million dollars and just like, we're waiting until you could let it rip in the last 10 K this to me, this kind of story it just, it, it fires more people up because running is not perfect anymore than any other piece of our life. Training cycles are imperfect. Uh, progress isn't linear. We all know these things. We all say these things, but yet we expect them to happen in that way. We say that. Um, and, but in reality, we're like, Hey, I'm ready now. It's supposed to happen now. But then all of a sudden, you know, the universe says, I don't think so, Kim, not today. But in your case, you know, you used every tool you had on that day, um, you know, from working with a teammate, you know, that you had to run the race with, um, to connecting with Gabby at some point out there, her parents, her husband, your own teammates on the course. And, but at the end of the day, it's not just the physical strength that makes these big efforts come true. It's the mental strength and the preparation. So in your case, you having talked about that with other teammates to me is a big piece that most, most people don't realize. I think sometimes you got to just put it out there. It doesn't have to be an Instagram post or Twitter or Facebook, but at least to people that matter to you in your life. Do you think that that adds like more impact? The fact that you opened yourself up and talked to them about that you were going all in and you weren't going to, you weren't going to care if you blew up. You literally were going to put it all out there, even if you weren't in your best shape, because we'll get into that too. I know you weren't running your usual mileage. You didn't have some magical cycle. So by putting it out there to that group of people and just letting them know, do you think in a way that like emboldened you even more like that to go after this thing and get it done? Absolutely. Yeah. I think you have to not be afraid to fail, um, to go after a big dream. And I think that's something that I've learned over time is not to be afraid to struggle, not to be afraid to ask for help. 
um, not to be afraid to fail. I think all of those things make a huge difference. Um, and also, you know, chasing it with Gabby, I think that was a really important piece of, of the journey too, was to have someone else who has, you know, has a job, has uh, a life, has all, you know, but also has this passion for running um, and to have someone nearby to kind of bounce things off of and talk through and um, be excited with and excited for, and also to uh, share when things are not going well. Um, that's been a really uh, cool piece that I hadn't had before. So um, lots of great things in this cycle, even if it wasn't, you know, perfect, um, no cycle is. So Love it. Um, and I think an unusual point to underscore a little bit too is like with you and Gabby's relationship, your teammates, and you have those similar goals and you both have the fire to get them done and you're super excited for each other that you accomplish this, but you don't really get to train all that much, right? So that's an important point to, to kind of just to underline a little bit because a lot of times people hear training partners or mutual goals and working on a running team, they're just automatically going to assume you're doing all your long runs together, you're doing your hard tempos together, whatever. So for people listening at home, hell, you don't need to even live in the same state, same city, same country. If you're all chasing the same goal and, you know, you're in Prague, for example. Well, you wouldn't be trying to make the U.S. Olympic trials team if you lived in Prague, but so bad example, Ron, but um, you know where I'm going. It doesn't really matter. You know, if you're running for Mill City or you're running for Central Park Track Club, my team or some other team, you're if you're chasing a standard at 237, you know what you need to run. You know how fast you're going to need to do your long runs. You have some idea of what it's going to take to get there. And I just think it's great that you two necessarily weren't really doing all that much actual running, but you were sharing the highs and lows of that. That's right. Right. I mean, that's kind of how it worked in your dynamic just because of schedules. Right. Yeah. And, and we train really differently um, just based, you know, we have to listen to our own bodies and what works for us. And um, that I think people are chasing the standard or doing that in all different ways. Right. And um, our training looks almost opposite <laughs> in terms of day to day, but um, we end up in a pretty similar place. Um, and so, I think that's really, uh, yeah, a great part of our relationship is being able to support each other and then still listen to our own bodies and our own coaches. Yeah, always a good plan. So for everybody, um, give everybody just a little background of yourself, you know, and your family, what family life was like growing up, what sports you're into as a kid, so everybody will know a little bit more about you, Kim. Sure, yeah. I grew up in Logansport, Indiana uh, with my parents and my sister. Um, basketball was my first love. Uh, I was dribbling a ball as soon as I could. I, it was the Hoosier state. That's what you do. Um, and I still, I played basketball all through my senior year of high school. Um, although I never got beyond five foot two. So basketball wasn't really a, a good college sport for me, but I really started running when I was in, uh, in middle school. And I did, I fell in love with running just the ability to contribute to a team as you got better, but also compete against yourself. I love just competing against myself and making myself better. So that was really good fit for me and um, ran at Luther College. So D3 school in Iowa um, and so grateful for that experience. Um, my coaches still so much love and respect for Steven Yarrow Pashi uh, at Luther and, you know, Yarrow coached me through my first two marathons actually as well and um, ran both cross country and track there. And afterwards, I continued running after college, um, but I think the thing that really brought me back into um, really competitive running was actually getting to run a collegiate season um, when I was 29. Um, I went to the University of Oxford and did my master's degree there and suddenly found myself with a year of 
college track and college cross country that I got to run. And that's where I met my current coach, uh, Kyle Bennett as well. And um, just started kind of chopping down the PRs um, with him and um, continued working on the marathon once I got back to the U.S. And um, excited to keep working with him towards some some more future marathons as well. Awesome. Um, and one of the big themes we pull on a lot here is like uh, self-belief and others believing in you, betting on yourself. There, there are a lot of common themes, you know, between our guests. And, you know, when you run across, you know, Yarrow and Steve, um, you know, your coaches at Luther, and then you have the experience at Oxford, you know, now you have three people that really believe in, you know, who you are and what Kim can do as a runner and really start to maybe give you some bigger picture ideas or that sort of, you know, spark or, you know, positive belief that you can do so much more, you know, it emboldens us as people, as runners. And it doesn't have to be in running, can be in anything, our chosen profession. Um, and I distinctly remember um, your coach at Oxford, like kind of resetting all of your goals, like your, you know, what your vision was for what you could run in like, say, 5K, 10K, half marathon, marathon. So um, how much do you think their own belief in you, you know, changed your own perception of your running and made you start to shoot for like much bigger goals like this, like chasing an OTQ standard? Yeah, absolutely. They were absolutely essential to that. Um, I think I shared that my coach at Oxford, uh, Kyle, I just remember one day him asking what I wanted to run in the um, the 5K at the end of the season. And I threw out a goal time and it was a PR goal time for me. And he just laughed at me and asked what my other PRs were. And he kind of laughed at me again. And he was like, Kim, you're stronger and you're faster than that. And we're going to chase some bigger dreams. And, um, you know, that was something that, you know, Yarrow had already kind of, Yarrow from Luther, she had already kind of uh, put those ideas in my head after my first marathon with ideas of OTQs. And so, yeah, like you said, you start getting people in your corner. And um, I've been super lucky that I've had coaches you know, stretching all the way back to my middle school cross country coach who I talked to last month, even um, that these folks are still reaching out and cheering me on and um, kind of along the journey with me as my dreams grow, their dreams grow, and um, we kind of build off of each other. And um, that's been huge for me. Um, and yeah, I, I think the other thing that I learned with all of these coaches was to kind of keep that belief in myself, um, even when the training maybe didn't go perfectly smoothly. So I was a high mileage runner in, in undergrad at Luther. I loved uh, logging big weeks of miles and, you know, I went through some injuries and found myself not logging a lot of miles anymore and kind of in stride, Kyle was like, that's no problem. Um, we can still get this done. And he was, you know, kind of unflustered by that. And so I kind of took it in stride as well. Like, all right, Kyle says we can do this. Let's do this. Um, and so being able to continue to pursue, um, fast times and big races, um, while knowing that my training might fluctuate based on how, uh, my body's feeling has been, uh, just, just giving me so much confidence that I can go into a race, um, with very different looking training blocks and still kind of, if I put my whole heart into that race, um, I've still come out with some pretty good results. So, um, that's been really important for my training career. Yeah, and I think it worked at grandma's. It did. <laughs> Just by 17 seconds anyway. Or so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you you tapped into that well seriously deep and uh you were you were riding that line for a long time. And you just and it is the ultimate uh 
definition of staying in the fight, right on the edge, all the way through. Um, some great lessons learned uh, from the coaches, you know, the different style of coaching that you had. Um, I also remember specifically you wanting to run a hundred mile week early in your running with Yarrow and just saw that note. And I just, I just loved it because so many of us just think automatically our coaches are going to push us to the highest, you know, go for the most, do doubles, do more mileage, do an extra, you know, harder marathon pace miles are faster at the end of our long runs. We don't celebrate the coaches who are actually trying to hold us back and keep us healthy and keep us from breaking ourselves quite as much. Um, so if you could share that, I think that would be a good lesson to share. Yeah, absolutely. Going into my freshman year of college, um, I had never run more. I had once run 33 miles in a week. And so I, uh, jumped in and started working towards a hundred mile week. And I remember Yarrow calling me, um, over the summer and asking how it was going. And I was like, you know, I'm pretty tired. Um, you know, got some, some niggles, got some sore things. And she's like, you know, what's your, what's your training plan look like? What are you running? And, um, I said a hundred miles, of course, that was the, that was the biggest plan on the, on the, um, option list. And so that's what I was going to go for. And, um, and she, you know, laughed a little bit, but then she talked some sense into me and, um, you know, she talked me into a more reasonable training plan and, um, I had a lot more success. Suddenly I was feeling healthier. I was running faster, um, and doing a lot better. So, yeah, I think it's been really important over my running career, having coaches that know when to push and know when to, um, when to pull back and when to really check in with how I'm doing physically or mentally, um, and, and helping me to really think through those things as well, because, um, yeah, I, I, I like, like I said, I like big goals. I like big dreams. And so when I see, when I see, uh, the option to go big, I usually go big. Um, and coaches can be just absolutely essential and, and helping us figure out a, a good place to build from rather than maybe jumping in, um, at a level that's going to get me injured. <laughs> so, yeah, we need, we, we need them to protect us, um, to keep us, keep us healthy. Um, and, you know, it's, it's in our nature to want to explore the edges. It's, it's definitely there. It's innate. Um, and the people who I find in, in any walk of life who are really successful, they're, they're just up trying to get up against those edges a lot. Um, they're not fearful of getting up against those edges. And, you know, I think that's where stress fractures come from and other things. But at the same time, like, that's when we really figure out, like, how far we can take, you know, our talents or our work ethic. Like, how far can we push it and shape our, our goals and our dreams and, um, you know, but that's why it's so important to have that relationship with a coach, someone that you truly trust, someone that you know has your best interests at heart and is going to, again, try to keep you healthy, you know, from this build through to just sneaking under and making it to that epic place, you know, to say OTQ qualifier, getting a chance to run at a site that's yet to be named. Um, that'll add a lot more excitement to once you find out where you'll actually be running and how many people will come and how many family members will get down there and make some signs for you and cheer for you. Um, but you know, they're, they're there, you know, to be your partner in this, you know, journey, if you will, um, to taking you as, as far as you can go. And, you know, an, an integral part of that is you sharing, you know, how you're feeling, you know, during these cycles and, you know, do you have that kind of connection with your coach from Oxford where, you know, you're truly sharing, you know, when you're feeling a little banged up or a little worn down or maybe, a, you know, workload is just a little high. So you can't put quite as much in on the running side. 
Oh, absolutely. Kyle's a great listener. Um, even though, I mean, it's our time difference. He's still, he's head coach at Loughborough University in the, in the UK. Um, but we're in a lot of communication, um, talking about how I'm feeling and, and how the workouts are going. And I feel like he often knows my fitness better than I do. Um, even from across the ocean. Um, he, yeah, we've had a really great, um, relationship and, um, you know, I've had some injuries come up uh, especially this last cycle, some Achilles problems and things. And, um, he's been able to help me adjust my training so that, uh, you know, I think I shared that, you know, I was training, I averaged a little under 50 miles a week in this training cycle, which isn't necessarily the ideal number of miles. Um, and we had planned on running a lot more miles than that, this training cycle. But, um, again, I think together we can kind of, we just took it in stride. Um, I totally trust his adjustments and I think he really asked me to be honest about how I'm feeling. And so, um, yeah, we just went with the, the mileage that was going to keep me as healthy as possible. So I was hitting some really big workouts and some really big long runs and then doing very little mileage in between, um, to try to let my Achilles recover in between each one. And, um, and it was working, you know, I was still getting fitter. I was still feeling better in those workouts, um, throughout the cycle, despite having a lot lower mileage, um, found something that worked and, um, maybe, uh, maybe we'll try higher mileage again for CIM, see how, um, the Achilles is doing. Um, I think one thing that we've worked on, or I want to work on this summer, um, and I've started working on this past month is a strength training program, um, to really help me get around injuries that keep cropping up. I think, um, we talk a lot about the miles that runners do, but you know, all the strength and, and for those things are just essential to staying healthy and something that I'm going to need to put a lot more time into just based on some of the injuries. Yeah. You've had to make those adjustments and I think it comes back again to the trust and belief, uh, connection you have with your coach as you've had with your previous coaches, when you have that kind of partnership, and it is a true partnership. If they tell you you're going to run four days a week or five days a week and the number's only going to be 50, you, you still believe that you can get it done because of your trust and connection together working as a team, as a partnership. When you have a coaching relationship where you don't have that feeling, if they make that kind of shift for you, Kim, and start telling you to take two days off, you're going to be like, no, this coach doesn't get me. They don't understand me. You know, I'm a high mileage runner. I need to do this. So I think there's so many powerful lessons in there. And I'm just so happy that, you know, you're sharing, you know, the lows as well as the highs and also the adjustments and the tweaks that you had to make because you were not coming into this race, you know, off your best cycle. You weren't coming in super healthy. You weren't coming in feeling like I'm ready to crush. And physically, you really weren't maybe. Um, but mentally, you still had set that goal and you you went all in. And um, I think it's a big part of your story and your success, you know, that you just were willing to just say, I'm going to do it. Um, and you rightfully credited, you know, your, per your partner that ran with you on the course and Gabby, you know, people you trained with and your coaches. And they're always a part of our success. But at the end of the day, there's only one person lacing those shoes up out there. And there's only one person that's going through those individual splits. Whether it's somebody running with us or not, you're, you're still the one that has to get it done. So um, awesome, awesome job. And I'm excited to see, um, you know, when you get a little healthier and you make some tweaks and changes, you know, what, uh, what it looks like for the fall. Um, before CIM... Are you going to do some summer racing, some Tracksmith 5K stuff, work on some speed, or what are you, you going to do between now and then? 
Yeah. I mean, I'd love to, I plan to get on the track and do a Tracksmith 5k in August, which I'm excited about. It's an incredible atmosphere, lots of great uh, runners out there, all different paces. Um, hope to see 10 mile and the half marathon in Indianapolis as, you know, some longer fall races. Uh, right now in a couple of days, I'm headed to the mountains and I'm just so excited for that. That's kind of the, the inspiration that gets me through a lot of winter months, um, is just being up a mountain with a lot of Luther alumni and, um, working so hard. Um, but I love it up there and it's just so much energy and, and positivity. Um, so that's, what's up next for racing, um, which is very different than a marathon, but, um, good training all the same. Nice. I hope you're packing your trail shoes. I am. Yep. And yeah, we'll, we'll see if there any fast shoes come out. There's a couple of road sections we can get a tempo run on. So Love it. Yeah. You can raise your hand for that section. Like, Hey, yep. I got this section over here. This looks like it's totally me. Um, and that's the headwaters relay in Montana. What, what part of Montana does it take place? Uh, it starts outside of Bozeman. Um, and it's, uh, I think it's, it's just over 200 miles that we're running. Um, and so teams of five to 10 folks. Um, and yeah, just getting after it every day and some big climbs and some big descents and then some really beautiful, um, kind of rolling spaces through the mountains as well. So all kinds of excitement up there. Love it. Now, do you guys camp out? Do you have a van that shuttles around? Like, how do you, I mean, there's so many of these kind of relays and stage races and, and different formats and styles. What's it, what's it like on that end? Yeah, we camp each. So this is a stage relay. So we're done in the afternoon and we camp each evening and um, really get to spend some time with other teams as well. So there's teams out there that, you know, I only see uh, folks on those teams once a year, but we get to spend some time in the evening cooking out and hanging out and um, talking about running. (laughs) And um, yeah, and then during the day we have a pickup truck that our whole team squishes into with a couch stuck in the back of the bed of the truck that a couple people are are on. And there's a lot of loud music and throwing of glitter and cheering and um, it's just a great time. So very excited for that. <laughs> oh, that sounds like so much fun. Yeah. Um, and it's also just a great uh, change of direction from the, the monotony of, you know, marathon training and, you know, you're still so young and you're only doing it really for a few years and really just starting to get, um, your strength and your aerobic fitness development. And, you know, you have a big ceiling, you have a lot more to go, but, um, it can get monotonous, um, marathon training as a rule. I mean, there's only so many types of workouts we're really going to throw in there at the end of the day and adding on different paces to the speed of our long runs and the different length that we're going to run and what surface are we going to run on and how long are we going to be on our feet for? And then, you know, tempos or speed work during the week. And, you know, there's only so many tweaks that we can make. So this is just a great change of pace. Uh, and also back with your Luther, uh, alumni people, people that you are near and dear to your heart. That's your uh, first coaches that you love, um, the team of coaches over there. So you get to be with them and the other runners. So, uh, a good, uh, energy and soul, uh, recharge for the batteries. And then, you know, you can set your, set yourself up for, uh, the summer season and, and starting to get ready for the fall. I think that's one of the best things about CIM is the time of the year. It's early December. I mean, it just, it's the perfect time of the year to train no matter where you live. I mean, any of, any of my friends and I, that we're all getting ready to do fall marathon season. If you're running Berlin or you're running Chicago or you're running London, you know, where in our area, even in Minneapolis, I'm sure it's hot as hell right now, man. You don't want to be doing long runs in like, you know, 95 with 60% dew point and all these crazy numbers. So in your case, 
you'll get a nice little respite and you can work on speed and do all that other fun stuff and uh you'll be you'll your batteries should be fully recharged for uh for the cim build right yeah absolutely i mean i love the grind of a marathon build um but there's something about running up a mountain that challenges you mentally and physically in a way uh that it, it does carry over to the marathon but it is like you said it's also just a breath away and something new and exciting and different so yeah, so we could see some ultra in your future. Who knows? Oh, absolutely. It's uh it's in the back of my mind already. <laughs> Love it. Love Be very it. Excited. <laughs> future episode. Yeah, I just had Adam Kimball on a couple episodes, Western States 100. He did a second Western States 100. He's run across the US. He's got the FKT from running around Lake Tahoe, which is completely insane. It's 28,000 feet of climbing, 170 miles. And he broke Killian Journey's record, who's literally considered to be the greatest ultra runner in the world. What, what, a, what accomplishments, what a gift it is to get to have these conversations with people. And uh, I know one of your favorite runners is Dez. And Dez has uh, started a little bit. You know, she got the 50K record, which was, you know, kind of a staged road thing. So yeah, it'd be interesting to see as more of our great marathoners as they age up, if they will migrate and move to doing some trail running, because I think it's a great a great way to go. And for longevity, it definitely protects the body and keeps keeps the body healthy um, for for your long term running. Do you have uh, good trails, you know, outside of Minneapolis that aren't too far away from you that you can get to, or is it just really too far? Yeah, there's there are definitely parks around here with some good trail trail running and. You know, like we said, I, I didn't do a ton of trail running during the marathon buildup, but right now it's a perfect time to get out there and get some, some vertical elevation in and, um, get some, some more technical trails in and, um, yeah, maybe 20, 30 minutes outside of the Metro. There's some really good options for that. Love it. Love it. Um, so on, in your build, I mean, in terms of like where you've come from and where you're at now to get to 236, you know, 256, I'm looking at your your ascent here, 256, 252, 248, 240, 236. Actually, that's descent. That's not an ascent. Um, well, it gets a little tricky with our numbers going down. I mean, you are ascending even though your times are going down. Um, but in there, you've had to fight through quite a bit. I mean, you've had injuries. You've had other challenges that have gone on. You know, talk about that section a little bit, because that was like over a period of maybe a couple of years, right? Or is that longer than a few years? Is it, is it three or four years in that in that cycle of where your times have come, where you've dropped them down so much? How, how long a period of time are we talking about? Um, I ran London in 2019, and that marathon was supposed to be kind of a, a building marathon, hoping to to get back into marathons again. I'd been out for a couple of years and I was hoping to run London, go back and see my coach, see my friends. It was exciting to be back in England. Um, and then the plan was to come back to the U S and, and chase the then 245, um, OTQ standard. Um, but yeah, after London, you know, my body was pretty tired. I had a big stumble coming off of a bus, um, actually, uh, after the race and then a long flight home and a couple not great decisions in terms of maybe running too many miles too soon. Um, and ended up with a stress fracture or a stress reaction, um, and some other injuries, uh, kind of tied to that. And, uh, after London, I really didn't run for, it was over a year. Um, so that was a really hard time. Um, feeling like I still really wanted to be chasing 
um, an OTQ feeling like I really just wanted to be out running. And, you know, I moved from, at that point I had moved to Minneapolis. Um, the pandemic had, uh, had started by the time, um, you know, I still wasn't running and I just felt pretty isolated when I didn't have my running community and I was in a new state and a new PhD program and, um, just a lot of changes. And, so that was a really difficult time, just wondering when I was going to be able to be healthy and be able to um, be out on the roads again. And uh, I think it was uh, April of 2020 or May of 2020 um, when I finally started getting back into running. And, you know, within a couple of months, I joined the Mill City team and it was such just night and day. I just so much gratitude to the folks on that team joining Mill city was just kind of brought me out of that isolation. And, you know, I was able to even, you know, even the early slow miles, there were people around um, to run with and people who were, you know, encouraging and, and happy to have me as a part of the team and um, built up over some time and uh, just started chasing the marathon again. That was my brain was still on chasing the marathon. And um, I didn't know at the time, obviously the, what the new OTQ standard was going to be. Um, so in my mind, I was still chasing 245. Um, and so I trained that year and uh, ran Indianapolis marathon then in November and they hadn't announced the standard yet. Uh, and so I ran 240, 48. And so that was exciting, even though technically I'd qualified for nothing, I was at least you know, four minutes below the standard, um, after having a long kind of battle with, with injury. Um, and looking back now, it was, <laughs> it's a great message. Um, my coach, Kyle, he texted me, uh, afterwards, congratulated me. And I think his second text message was, um, can you go faster? And I immediately answered, yeah, two, two thirty-fives on the table. Um, which, you know, that was, Three weeks later, then they announced the 237 standard. And so that came out. And obviously, we all were kind of like surprised by such a big drop. And, um, you know, that didn't go unnoticed. But uh, my first message to Kyle was, you know, I already said 235. So nothing changes. Like, we're just going forward. Um, we're still chasing the same thing. So, um, yeah, again, just coming in and having Mill City as support and then having Kyle kind of take all of that in stride, the injury, the new OTQ standard, all of that. Um, yeah, just felt like a blessing to have already cut down to 240 before they changed the standard and then to just be, you know, still chasing and ready to go for grandmas this year. Love it. So let's unpack a couple of things from there. Um, being injured and losing some so much time, um, I know for me, never having had a serious running injury of 30 plus years of running, I know what it did to me, uh, to my mindset. Although I knew so many of my friends who were injured and talked to so many runners on my show who are injured and coming through stress fractures or in a stress fracture or whatever. Um, I think it hardens us and it just makes us fall in love with running even that much more at any age. You could be in your 20s, you could be in your 30s, or in my case, in your 60s. So for you, I think, you know, my question is how much did it deepen your connection and love? Because when something is taken away from us that we love that much, my God, we want it, we want it back so much more. So how much do you think that played a part in, in, you know, your continued ascent here, you know, having to have that much time off? 
Yeah. I, I mean, I was already in love with running and it just proved it to myself, right? Like all I wanted to do was get out the door um, and, and be out there and be able to put some miles on. And that, you know, that just never went away. I, I actually, I had a couple of friends um, who were like, don't you have other hobbies? Is there, you know, maybe you should do something else. And it was like, no, <laughs> I mean, other hobbies are great. I do do a few other things, I swear, but um, it never took away from the fact that I wanted to get, get it back out the door. And, and I really think it's shaped me that I'm, I'm really grateful when I am healthy enough to run. I'm really grateful, even if it's not a perfect training cycle, if it's something manageable that I can run through. And I think I trust my kind of mental, um, my mental strength to, to be, uh, it was just hardened by those years. I think of, of when am I going to get back and wanting to get back? And I just, um, feel like that's really shaped who I am as a runner and, and, and it shaped who I am as a coach when I've done coaching as well. I think that's, um, been really important to me is connecting with other athletes who are injured and maybe it's their first big injury, or maybe it's an injury at a a difficult time. Um, So I think it's helped me as uh, a teammate or coach as well as helped my own running. You nailed it. Um, It's just something as it happens to us and we are on the sideline. um, And if it's only once God bless for, for anybody out there, if they only have one major injury that they have to take some time off and sit on the sideline. But it's only then, I think, when we, we truly realize just how much we miss it and how much we love it. And um, any of us might bitch about running in the heat or running in the freezing cold or running in the dark or whatever. But at the end of the day, we, we're going to get our work done. We want to get our work done. We, we know it's a privilege to be out there. Um, and then when that, when that gift is taken away, our appreciation and love just grows, grows deeper. So we, we just know when we get back out there, we're going to appreciate it more. And it just builds uh, a stronger connection. And then applying it to the community is even even better, you know, from your own experiences when you're having a chance to coach other athletes or share your story. It just makes it more powerful because nobody out there is living some perfect dream-like life where they're never injured, they're never hurt. Um, everything just goes according to plan. Plans <laughs> plans get thrown in the trash can left and right. Um, we write plans. We have a dream plan and we have a visualization of we want it, what, it, what we might want it to look like. But at the end of the day, it's how do we adapt, you know, to these things that come up and then how do we change and, and get stronger. And so that strengthened you. It strengthened your resolve um, in one component of it. But the second piece is really like the drive, you know, the energy, the spirit, that competitiveness. That's something I always like to dig into with every runner. You clearly have it in spades. Um, where do you think it comes from? It's a great question. Um, I think I've just always been kind of a gritty person. Um, I think I can't remember a time that I wasn't trying to think up some new adventure or some new goal or chase, um, chase down a dream that, um, that maybe was going to hurt a little bit or take a little time or, you know, um, take a little bit of, of resolve. And again, I, I just go back to the people in my life who've been supportive throughout that, um, to have people that are going to support you, and cheer you on, but also that, um, are going to be there when you fail. Cause you know, inevitably if you set big enough goals, you're going to have times that you don't make them and, um, that's okay too. And I think it means that you're pushing at the right level, right? If you, if you're never missing any of your goals, then you're maybe not setting them quite high enough. So, um, 
those are important pieces of it. And yeah, just really grateful um, for my family and friends that have uh, just rooted me on to the gritty moments and, and been there for the really exciting celebrations too. Yeah. God bless our families and our communities. We, uh, we flourish and we hit the best version of ourselves because, because of them and, the, and their support for sure. Um, how about mindset mantras? What are you thinking about out there? What are you telling yourself out there? And be specific too, like in this race, because this race was the ultimate race to tap into it all because you were dancing the whole way. Um, as you said, at 5K in, you were already feeling it. You know, by no means were you feeling like, this is my day, I'm ready to rock it. So mindset mantras out on the course. Yeah, I don't know if I have a specific mantra, but I have, I definitely have uh, kind of grounding principles, I think. And um, I think one is any big race is worth a gamble. Um, to me, you know, I'm towing the line, I'm going to put it all out there. And like I said, I might blow up. Um, I might surprise myself with an amazing day, but I just think it's worth the gamble to believe in myself and, and go for it. Um, I think another one is we've talked a lot about grit recently, and I think that's a huge part to just be tenacious. And I think that's something that I value and want to be a part of my core identity is just like that someone who's out there and will grind and be excited about it. And I, I always think about moments I think are going to be really hard in the race. And I get excited about those. Like those are the moments like Twin Cities Marathon. That was my first two marathons. And there's a long hill uh, starting around mile 20, 21 um, that everyone who's run the race is very familiar with and it hurts. Um, And that's what I was most pumped about the whole race. Like I couldn't wait to see how my body and my mind could respond at a time when I knew it was going to be really hard. And I think getting excited for the gritty parts um, makes them, I don't know if it makes them better, but it at least makes them a key piece of the race. And and it's a way to challenge myself. Um, And then sparkle, um, which (laughs) sparkle is kind of the third piece of every race plan for me. Um, So it kind of started back in in college. Um, My coach would put it, well, I only ran at one national meet. Um, our team qualified for nationals my senior year, which was a super amazing experience for me um, and, and to be a part of that team. And our coach, she came to the start line and she rubbed some glitter onto the toe of each of our shoes. Um, and I've had a little thing of glitter with me at every race since. And I think it just reminds me of that race in particular and, you know, like my love of running um, in general and that I'm out there doing what I love. Like how lucky am I that I get to tow the line and often tow the line with some of my best friends and um, with people that are there to support me. Like, I just think the sparkle and the glitter part of it um, is, <laughs> is key as well. And um, usually I have a little glitter on my face as well, just to, I don't rub it on my shoes as much anymore. I don't know why it transferred to becoming face glitter, but uh, it seemed to work out all right. So that it, they both work if anyone's wondering. Love it. So gamble, grit, and sparkle. We all need we all need to tap into all three of those. And I had a note for myself to ask you about the sparkle. Were you putting them on your shoes? So you already knocked that question right out of the way. So, you know, <laughs> put it on your face. But uh, yeah, good stuff. I mean, great things to tap into. 
Um, and I think it just shows um, that you're using visualization too. I mean, going back to Twin Cities and Mile 21, for anybody out there, a lot of my listeners might be more novice or you know middle of the road runners, and they're not going to hit an OTQ standard. It's it's a dream. Maybe a big a big massive goal for them might be to run a BQ, to run a, a Boston qualifier, or maybe it's even just to finish a marathon to prove to themselves that they could do something that's really hard. So, I mean, these are great lessons to apply. It doesn't matter if your time is going to be 236 or 228 or 457. You know, what matters is gamble, grit, and sparkle. All three of those things can be tapped into whether you're going to finish with a time with a three in, in front of it, a four or two or anywhere in between. I mean, all of those things. And I, I think the big thing that you're doing that I like to really accentuate is like, I often like to think about the actual course. How does it lay out? How does Boston lay out? Even though I've run it 10 times, what am I going to be feeling when I make that right turn at the firehouse and the Newton Hills are waiting for me? Like you have taken it in the exact way that I like to take it. You're thinking of 21, the worst mile of Twin Cities. And you're saying like, hey man, I want to know how I'm going to feel when I get to this point. I want to be ready. And you're not looking at like, oh no, here comes mile 21 Hills. No, it has to be like, this is my privilege. I get to turn the corner here at the firehouse at the Newton Hills and I get to say, let's go, let's dance, let's party. I don't know if I'm going to run it as fast as I think I'm going to, but I have the opportunity to do it. So just by you know playing that through in your head in preparing for it and training runs and just thinking it through, it sets yourself up for your best chance of success. So uh, kudos to you for going through those those steps because they're all super important things. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I can tell you the grandmas did not feel good. Um, I actually, I saw my time or my pace dropping as I was going up Lemon Drop. Um, and I was like, it just doesn't matter. I'm just going to have to make it up. We're just going to run through it. And I'm just going to have to go faster on the other side of it. You know, so <laughs> you kind of have to take it in stride. You might not always get there and feel as good as you want to, but, um, it's exciting to put yourself up to the challenge. Oh yeah. I mean, that's real life case study. It's white paper. Number one that we can refer to in, uh, run chats, uh, history here. You know, when you, when you make the qualifier by such a narrow margin, you know, at any point in there, if mentally you get, you've given up or checked out, you know, you're not on the right side of that number. You have to know that at any point that 5k, or that early in the game, you could have just been like, you had already mentioned it to your training partner that it was going to be a rough day. It was going to be a dark day, but you could have been going the other way, just saying, it's not going to happen today. And that self-talk, it manifests itself out there on the course. So again, I, I go back to the fact that you'd had those conversations with your friends. You said you were going to go all in. You weren't afraid to fail. You weren't afraid to blow up out there. You weren't afraid to fall short. Um, in the back end. And, you know, if you're willing to take the risk, it doesn't mean you're going to be successful. The gamble word again, doesn't mean you're going to win. Uh, betting on yourself is great. And when we gamble, we don't always win, right? That's why it's called a gamble. But if you take the shot and you put your heart into it, um, maybe, just maybe, you get to come on here and tell your story like Kim is right now. And you do something really awesome and and get to inspire a lot of other ladies that maybe are out there thinking, oh my God, 245 was hard. How am I going to get to 237? And in your case, when you ran your 240, you know, then they moved it. 
you know, they moved the marker on you when you were well under there. And again, you didn't back down. You know, you told your coach. And of course, he had all the evidence he needed because you said 235. <laughs> like he got you, he got you to just come clean right off the bat. Cause, you know, we all know as, you know, anyone who's ever coached anybody, you got to have your athlete fully on board. They have to believe, you know, that they can actually achieve it. So um, you two are, have got a good thing going and uh, you're all in, in lockstep. Um, what was his, uh, impression of your run, um, you know, going into the race, obviously knowing it wasn't, you know, an ideal buildup by any stretch, but you know, what was, what was his reaction, you know, to your run and your race and, and just getting it done and having such a, a huge day come, come to fruition? Yeah. I mean, he's just super proud. Um, and you know, it means so much to hear that from someone like him that I, you know, respect and, and, um, appreciate so much. So just getting those words of affirmation and, um, hearing how proud he was and that he knew that, you know, I could do it and wanted to know what my next goal was, you know, cause he knows that's the type of runner I am. And, um, yeah, like you said, it was, the training and even the couple of weeks before the race, um, was just a kind of a tough period. And, um, I think that adds to, um, kind of the, the pride and, that he felt that, you know, I stuck with it, trusted him. Um, and certainly, uh, something that I'll carry with me into another race, you know, um, that whatever the circumstances look like, um, I'm still going to give it a shot. <laughs> Yeah, no doubt. And with only 17 seconds as your margin, like, was there a point? I mean, I don't, I doubt there was maybe not even until two tenths to go. Was there a point where you really felt like, okay, I have this or, or no, was it literally <laughs> that close and so nerve wracking? And you're just, as you were talked about before, you know, these, these milestone points along the course, you know, seeing Gabby, her husband, um, other people that you knew. And then of course your teammates at like 23 or 24, wherever that was, was there some point out there where you actually felt like I'm actually going to get this done. Kim's going to make it happen or no, it didn't, it didn't happen until literally the last stretch there. Um, well, I'll say I never let myself believe that I wouldn't make it. So I always believed that I would, but I never knew that I would. <laughs> so, um, I don't, I don't know how familiar you are with the course at grandma's, but, um, it's pretty winding at the end and you can't see the finish line until the very end. Um, and so, yeah, it was probably 30 seconds to go when I really felt like I could get there. And even then it was some of the, worst physical pain I've been in, in a race. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't a nice finish. There's some, you know, great photos. I love that there are a couple of photographers there uh taking photos and there's some good evidence to suggest that it did not feel good. Um I love the pictures, you know, of Gabby coming across the line. She looked incredible. Um and I'll say the pictures of me coming across the line, it looked like I was working hard. We'll say that. So um yeah, but the the end was welcome. It was very welcome when I turned that final corner and I could see the finish line and finally felt like I knew that I could make that distance um in the time that I had left. Um it was it was a little it was a little touch and go before that. So oh, there's so much power and beauty in the struggle. Um and yeah, there's the emotions are there in those pictures. Um and then getting to cross, um, who did you have at the finish? I mean, obviously, I know you and Gabby um, are, are, have a couple of nice shots together. Um, who did you have at the finish for you? And who did you get to celebrate this uh, big momentous occasion with? Yeah, there were a lot of Mill City runners that had great 
great days, which was awesome. So, um, you know, obviously Gabby was there and Doran, uh, who I ran with throughout the race and a couple other runners who were running right in that 230 to 240 range. Um, and yeah, it's just, a big mill city party at the finish line. It felt like, <laughs> so, um, it was great to wind up in, uh, in that group. And, uh, you know, a lot of the men there, uh, I'd trained on training runs with, um, for, you know, weeks. And I hadn't necessarily had that in other training buildups before. Um, I just had done a lot of that work alone. And this one, I actually had folks on a lot of my workouts and long runs, um, that were there with me. So it was really exciting to have them at the finish line. Awesome. Um, we need that community, man. We need it. Grandma's is a great race. Um, and you had your club team and you had Gabby and, you know, it just makes it so much more meaningful. You know, if you're off racing in some, you know, country where you just really don't know too many people or something, and, you know, maybe you'd have friends who are following you on a tracker is one thing, but to, to be able to hug and, and celebrate that amazing accomplishment is just you know, just awesome. It's just hard to beat. And I, I'm just wondering how many people have reached out to you like via IG Strava and all the other mediums that are out there that have just been like inspired by your run and what you did and are just like on board and, and excited for what you did. And then hopefully it's lifting them up to, to, to get after the dream. Yeah. I've heard a lot of, a lot of great positive messages from people, um, both people who are chasing the OTQ, some women, um, that I'm excited to see chase fast times at CIM and some other fall marathons. Um, a lot of folks from, from college and from my master's program who reached out, um, friends and family, obviously. Um, but I think the response from the running community has been really overwhelming. Um, it just feels great to, um, yeah, have chased down that goal once it was moved so far and, and hope that others are going to keep chasing it too. I think, um, that, yeah, it was, really it was a big punch when when they moved it by so much and um i just hope that we have just a huge crowd of women that are that are beating 237 um over the next 18 months um just want to have a as big a crowd as we can when uh wherever the trials end up being well said um how about darkest hole you've ever dug out of and how i think i don't know about a darkest hole i think we've talked a lot about injuries that I've had. Um, and I do think that there have been times, you know, I think I've really emphasized the positivity of wanting to get back to running, but there've also been, um, a couple injuries that kept me out for, you know, year, 18 months at a time that were just incredibly isolating. Um, and they were only isolating though, when I wasn't reaching out to the people who were absolutely there supporting me the whole time. Right. So as soon as I reached out to a coach or teammate, um, I always felt like I had that support to, to really take care of my body while I needed to. Um, and then also to kind of keep it alive in terms of coming back. So, um, I think the, the stress reaction after London, um, was a really hard, uh, injury. Um, and, even, you know, further back, um, I had an injury between before the London marathon, um, and both times that lined up with moving to a new city in one case, a new country. And, um, yeah, so that can be really difficult, but I've been so lucky that people have supported me, you know, from different cities, different States, different countries, um, different time zones. Uh, and that's been the biggest key to, to overcoming those spots, I think is just 
um, not losing that community, even when you're maybe not able to participate in the thing that you love, you still have that community of folks that are rallied around. Yeah, absolutely. Well said. And coaching mentor relationships, um, you know, you've had it in spades um, and, you know, you're incredibly grateful for it. Um, what are some of the big takeaways that you've learned, you know, from your coaches and that you'll in turn share when you are coaching athletes, you know, on the other side? Yeah, there's, I think I've talked a lot about uh, the compassion and um, the support and the belief. And, you know, I've just felt like my coaches have really shown up for me and sometimes believed in me before I did. Um, I think the other thing I'd mention is kind of the, the no bullshit um, straight talking that I will get from my coaches um, when I decide I'm going to go from a 30 mile to a hundred mile week, or when I had a run streak, I decided I was going to run every day for a year. Um, and that's not always a great idea if you're trying to perform, um, well and, you know, navigating different injuries. And so I've just been really grateful that they've really told me when I was not making the right moves as well and, and really helped me prioritize, you know, my own mental and physical well-being. um, and, you know, helping me realize that looks different from what other people's training looks like. That looks different from maybe what my training looked like a year ago. Um, my coaches have been brutally honest and sassy and I love that. I need that <laughs> and, and I wouldn't have it any other way. So I think, um, yeah, bringing that as well to the coaching relationships I've had and, and figuring out what works for each athlete, right? Like some athletes, maybe that's not the key, but um, my coaches certainly know that that's something that I need once in a while. It's just a straight talk <laughs> that <laughs> this is a dumb idea, Kim. Um, and you know that it's a dumb idea and they're right. I do. And I can, uh, focus my energies, uh, in a different way. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that positivity, that belief and strength. Um, and then yeah, a little bit of, of straight talk. <laughs> Love it. So clearly Goggin style is what we like. We like the straight up. We don't, we don't want any BS, man. It's all, straight up. And, uh, sometimes they got to talk you out of doing something stupid, man, that's for sure. Um, and that's a huge, huge value. And, um, I also think it's just super cool that they're uh, part of what you're doing now and, and so excited about it. Um, and that's just what community is all about. So that leads us into our last topic, which is community service. So what is something near and dear to your heart, something that you like to do, uh, in the community? Yeah, I, I worked for a long time in, um, in education actually. Uh, and, that was primarily in college access, supporting uh, primarily um, first-generation students um, in college access. And that's something that I'm really passionate about is helping students to, um, yeah, get the education that they want and uh, that they're passionate about. And so I've continued to uh, be in touch with some of the students that I mentored um, in my you know previous occupation before I came back to school. And it's something that I want to do more of is to continue working with students, um, whether it's helping them with financial aid or exploring colleges or, you know, just talking about what options they have. Um, and I just really enjoy, um, yeah, helping, helping young people figure out what they want to do and what they're excited about. And I think that carries over too into the, the coaching that I've done. Um, I want to continue. I've worked with YMCA, middle school, high school, college athletes, um, and loved all of those opportunities to connect with people and um, hear about what their dreams are and figure out together um, how they might be able to chase those down. So um, all about doing that type of work um, and hope to keep doing that uh, here in Minneapolis and, you know, into the future. 
Well done. Well, it's been super fun hearing your inspiring story, man. What a journey. Um, so much further to go. Um, just absolutely, this episode is going to inspire a lot of ladies that might be thinking 237 is just too far out of the range for them, or um, maybe they just don't believe they can get it done. I just think hearing um, some of the major injuries you've had to overcome and you know, just life obstacles and also the actual race day and the training cycle, you know, not being anything close to perfect, but being perfect in the end, uh, maybe imperfect, you know, build up, maybe a little bit imperfect training, but leading to an absolutely magical, perfect result, uh, perfect result, excuse me, on race day uh, to inspire. So that's super amazing stuff. And I'm excited that you came on and shared with us. Um, do you have an outgoing message that you want to share uh, before we sign off with all the Run Chats audience? I think just inspired by Des Linden, just keep showing up. I think showing up and um, believing in yourself, showing up for yourself and showing up for others, both of those things are really going to just bring positivity and um, really great ability to chase down dreams. Um, I liked one of my former teammates. She used uh, the phrase uh, to have a balance with both grit and grace. Um, and so really, I think of that as, um, yeah, that tenacity to get in there, work hard and push yourself. Um, but then also that balance um, to accept uh, what's given and accept where you are and, and work with what you have um, in the best way possible. So I'd say a lot can be accomplished with a little grit and a little grace. Love it. Great outgoing message to leave with everybody and a great place to land it. So thanks so much for coming on and sharing, Kim. It's uh, super inspiring stuff. And we tell everyone at the end of every episode to keep lacing them up, to keep getting out the door, and always remember to stay in the fight. Wow, what an amazing and inspiring journey Kim has been on. Running less than 50 miles a week, managing an Achilles issue with her coach, um, battling through that a high mileage runner being able to run much less than she's used to, um, but just channeling that self-belief of not only her current coach today, Kyle Bennett, but Coach Yarrow Pashi from back in her college days and so many awesome Mill City teammates, um, Gabby Rooker, Deron Clark, who ran with her every step of the way, and just uh, her awesome team club, her family and friends and people who believe so much in her that she turned that back around and and now is willing to go all in in these races and just make these big gambles and put it all out there and bet on herself uh, because she's emboldened by how much confidence others have in her abilities. And it's my big hope that people listening to Kim and Gabby's stories back-to-back -back weeks, all the ladies out there that might be wondering if they can get to this new um, difficult and challenging standard. Hopefully hearing these two amazing ladies share their stories of grit and grind and work ethic and just uh, overcoming, you know, getting it done. Hopefully that's going to inspire a lot more ladies to get after it at CIM and many other courses around the country or even around the world. Uh, if they're running marathon majors in London or Berlin or uh, somewhere else uh, to chase fast times. Uh, super, super inspiring stuff. And I'm so grateful 
for Kim for coming on sharing. Um, and as always, the request is if you're moved, inspired in any way by this episode, and you can take a moment to hop on Apple Podcasts, that's really all it takes to write a quick review. It really helps more listeners come to our show and hear the inspiring stories uh, that are being shared on Run Chats. And it certainly helps me get great guests like Kim and Cabby to come on and share their inspiring journeys. So let's keep that momentum rolling, peeps. And as we say at the end of every episode, keep lacing them up, keep getting out the door, and always remember to stay in the fight. Peace out, my friends.